Good evening. This is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundant Success Series. Our part-time mastermind that promotes empowered focus, decisive action, and inspired outcome. Our spotlight is on wellness. My guest is Dr. Stephen Lamb. He is an internist, and he's on faculty at New York University School of Medicine, and you know him affectionately as the house doctor from ABC TV's The View. He has an awesome new book called No Guts, No Glory, Gut Solution, The Core to Your Total Wellness. Over 90 million people each and every year have gastrointestinal issues. And in this book, Dr. Lamb talks about his three-step program to heal these common ailments naturally. To find out information about Dr. Lamb, go to his website, drstephenlamb.com. Fantastic information you can use. So let's get to it. Dr. Stephen Lamb, welcome to Building Abundant Success. How are you doing today? Uh, doing very well. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. I'm so happy you're here to talk about the wonderful area of our body called the gut. <laughs> I read your book. This is an awesome book here. And uh, No Guts, No Glory, Gut Solutions, The Core of Your Total Wellness, which I, I happen to agree. You're known uh, by millions as the house doctor on uh, ABC's The View. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, what you do. Well, you know, I'm, a, I'm on the clinical faculty at New York University School of Medicine. I have a clinical practice. I've been a, a, a practicing doctor in Manhattan for 30 years. Uh, this is my fifth book. Um, I'm known, you know, by, by many because of my appearances on national television, including The View, which I will be on next week, and, you know, commentary on the Today Show or Fox News. But my, my latest, uh, most fun thing is I write a weekly column for the Daily, which is, um, you know, an wow. iPad uh, app. And every Tuesday, today's Tuesday, you can actually uh, download my column on, on health and, and basically answer three questions that, that uh, readers submit. And then I have, I think, a very innovative column, which is, you know, Frontiers in Medicine, which is what did I learn this week as a doctor. And wow. so it was really a lot of fun for me integrating the patients, uh, you know, the lectures and book writing, and it's just, it's a very fulfilling and very um, enjoyable, uh, you know, life practicing medicine the way I do. Now, you're interested in the whole body wellness. Uh, you're an internist. What got you into the field? Well, I, I think that, you know, I, I really come from a traditional education in which it was very disease-oriented, and, uh, you know, really pathology-oriented. And we didn't really understand. Like, I, I don't even think I ever used the word wellness in, in medical school, and, and I don't think I used the word wellness maybe for 20 years of my practice. Because we, in the medical profession, and obviously there are many different kinds of doctors, but the traditional disease-oriented physician defined wellness as the absence of illness. And that, that model just really fails in the modern era when there's so many illnesses that take 20 years to develop. And it became excruciatingly clear to me. I'm an expert in men's health and men's sexual health. We wrote a lot of the books on Viagra. And, you know, the, the book that preceded No Guts, No Glory is The Hardness Factor, in which we were really able to make the link between cardiovascular disease and erectile issues. And it then became very obvious that 
that, you know, wellness is not the absence of illness and that people are not well the day before their heart attack or a week before somebody diagnoses them as having diabetes. So, it, it, you know, the shift in my thinking really evolved over the last 10 years in which I'm really struggling to try to define wellness and try to see what does it take to preserve and enhance your wellness. And that's what's really led me in some ways from the hardness factor to, to the guts, which clearly applies to both sexes equally. And, you know, when you really think about wellness, it has to start with the nutrient value of the foods you're taking in, the fuel to your body. But even to go beyond that is your ability to absorb those nutrients, which is the digestive tract. And that's why it's called No Guts, No Glory, because if your guts are not working, no matter what fuel you're putting in, if you can't utilize it or can't, you know, burn it effectively, it's going to have no value. I know it was a long answer, but I hope I answered the question too, for you. Well, my question to you, and that, yeah, I think you put it very well, over 95 million Americans suffer with poor digestion and uh, with our fast food, fast everything, fast lifestyle, stressed out, crazy lifestyle <laughs> that many people are on and it's considered normal by some but really it's, you know, pretty hectic, you know, when you, you know, take the components of many people's lives. We all have these these uh, these gut issues. Why do you think that uh, we're having that? In the 21st well, century, why is it? I think that I think that your opening statement really, you know, answers part of the question. Um, I, I think that we are not very respectful or understanding of what the gut is required, you know, in order to maintain its health. And you know, the medical profession, for the most part, you know, is only gets concerned when you have bleeding from your gut or you have a cancer in your gut, or you have what we refer to as inflammatory bowel, or you have an ulcer that's bleeding. And anything other than that is of very little interest to the to the gastroenterologist. Well, right now we're shifting and trying to appreciate that, you know, the gut needs to function at a much higher level in order for us to be well because it is that center for digestion and absorption of nutrients without which we can't sustain ourselves. And even more interesting, it has all of these other properties that we never really attributed to the gut, which is that it's involved with the immune system. It's involved with allergies. It's involved with metabolism. It's involved with mood disorders. This, you know, the brain and the gut are, are almost Siamese twins that are separated at birth which the brain goes one direction and the gut goes another direction. And so there are a tremendous amount of physiologic, biologic functions that are inherent to the gut that we are totally ignoring. I mean, when I say ignoring, I mean, if we simply ignore it, it wouldn't be that bad, but we're actually abusing the gut. I mean, we're stuffing stuff into the gut. And by when I say the gut, I'm talking about these beautiful hollow organs like your esophagus and your small intestine and the solid organs that are integrated in a beautiful orchestra called the pancreas and the liver with these hollow organs. And we are abusive. I mean, we could get, we should be arrested for what we do to this organ system. Um, and, and that's really the basis for the book. It's a 
simple, straightforward book that says to you, if you want to be well, why don't you start with your gut? Rather than, you know, just being preoccupied with your prostate and, and your sexual function and your and your heart and your brain, why don't you start with it? Because if you can't, if you can't create a healthy gut environment, I guarantee you the other organ systems are going to suffer. And that's the basis of my book. You um, have a three-step uh, plan in your book, but before we get to the first step, which is smart eating, um, a lot of the gut issues can be attributed to the sad diet we have here in this country? Yeah, I think it's the nature of the food. Remember, look, the body has a uh, a digestive process in which we mechanically break down foods and then we have to basically add enzymes that are being released by different organ systems to break down each of the components. Now, there's, whether it's fat or whether it's protein or whether it's carbohydrate, they have to be broken down to simple sugars or amino acids or fatty in order for the body to literally absorb them, okay? Well, the body can't break down some of the foods that have a shelf life of six months. It hasn't evolved the capacity to do so efficiently. So we are wasting a lot of the nutrients that are in foods because we can't absorb them. The other thing is a lot of the foods that we are ingesting, okay, the nutrient value has been sucked out of it. I mean, we boil them, we boil them, we... I don't know what, what we do to them, you know, to the food, but it has very little nutrient value. It has a lot of energy. It has a lot of caloric value. But you can't, we're not extracting the, the little nutrients that it actually contains. And that's the real basis for the healthcare crisis in this country. I mean, if you look at the, the number one crisis is obesity, okay? So obviously we don't have trouble with energy. But, you know, these are, we have the largest number of obese, malnourished people in the country. That's what we have. Obesity is our form of malnourishment. You may not have heard of that before because you always think of malnourished people as being very, very thin, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have an obese, malnourished population, and that's why, you know, they have a lot of the disorders from uh, you know, irritable bowel to uh, sleep apnea to erectile problems to mood disorders to ADD. I mean, a lot of this can really be attributed to a poorly functioning leaky gut that is just, you know, in in, in, it, in a severely inflamed state. And I think we need to make some changes if we if we want to have a successful country. In step one of your uh, uh, plan to help us out here, I want you to talk about uh, how we lay people can start to improve our gut function. Well, you know, the, the good news is that this is really, you know, in everybody's power. It's simply you, you need, you know, people aren't stupid. I mean, people are not, you know, deliberately trying to become diabetic and have heart disease. And, you know, they, I, I, it just is... It, it's a, it requires a little bit of education, and it does require a transition from a food that is being used as a drug as opposed to food being used as a nutrient. As soon as you start taking in sugary kind of foods, high-saturated fat foods, 
your brain lights up. It's like taking cocaine. And it's very, very hard to get somebody to get off cocaine because of the addictive nature. Well, we're essentially addicted to these sugary and, and, and saturated fat foods. And so the first thing you have to realize is that this is going to take a little bit of time. It's not going to happen automatically, but you have to start to introduce foods that have high nutrient value. So they'll have a little bit of oatmeal. They'll have some fresh fruit. You'll have some more raw fruits and vegetables. You know, at least half of your plate should contain it. Then you have to look at maybe some more organic meats. And so that you start the process where your palate and your brain are in, in sync and you start to understand, you know something? This is really better for me and better for my family. And, you know, it may be a little bit more expensive. It may be a little less convenient. But in the long run, to have a healthy child and to have a healthy, you know, partner is really worth it. It's a process. Don't go from, you know, having bacon cheeseburgers to all of a sudden thinking you can present to your husband or your wife, you know, a raw vegetable, you know, so, honey, this is dinner. It's just not going <laughs> to work. You know, it's just not going to work. But you're going to have to be innovative. You're going to have to do it slowly. You're going to introduce one fruit at a time, one meal at a time. And all of a sudden, everybody buys into it, and then you're going to have it. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be the beneficiary. I guarantee you're going to sleep better, your mood will be better, your thinking will be better. And, and you know, being an expert in the area of sexual medicine, guaranteed your sex life will be better. I have a question. I have found, you know, when I was younger, I could do the red meats and the milks and all those wonderful things that I, I just enjoyed. As I went through college, I found not so much. Uh, how do food allergies play a role in... Uh... It's, a, it's a really good observation, and the reality is when you are young, you oftentimes can overcome, you know, your, your digestive processes are more efficient than when you get older uh-huh. because you wear out your liver and you wear out your pancreas, you know, uh, over many years where you've basically been abusing it. In addition, certain food types like lactose milk, um, that we, we kind of lose the enzyme. And about 70% of people are actually lactose, lactase deficient, which means that they can't digest milk products. As soon as they drink it, they're going to get, you know, you have a little bit of milk in your coffee, it's one thing, but you have a glass of milk, you have cereal with milk, and you're going to have problems. You're going to be bloated, you're going to have gaseousness, you're just not going to feel well. And that's really, really common. And it's becomes increasingly common with certain amount of, you know, we, we now absorb fructose, we now absorb gluten, and we don't necessarily have to have celiac disease, you know, which is a, a serious illness, but there are variations in which we just have more trouble digesting pasta and bread, and we accept the bloating and the gas because we want to eat the foods because they, they taste really well. But mm-hmm. what you're experiencing is essentially... Not a food allergy, but a food intolerance that's the result of the fact that we're maldigesting it. Food allergy is a little different in which you actually mount a specific immune reaction to the food resulting in hives or other form of allergic phenomena. So it's really more food intolerance. Food allergy could be peanuts where you even taste the peanut and you can basically die. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody else is eating the peanuts and you just basically are sitting next to them and you can inhale some of the stuff, you can get really, really sick. So there's a little slight difference between allergy 
and intolerance. I think a lot of what we're seeing is intolerance. Mm-hmm. Your second step is detoxification, and we've, we've heard that word. Many people think you have to buy these kits and do all these, you know, really extreme things. Explain to us what detox yeah. means, I, and it, uh, it, can we just safely? Yeah, it's a strange word, okay? And what we're really trying to say is that, you know, the body is harboring certain toxins that are a result of the food and the environment that we are exposed to. And um, it's primarily in the liver, but I'm certain, you know, it's in the small intestine and other areas. And so the first thing you want to do is to try to reduce the exposure of the, you know, to the products that are potentially toxic. So a lot of barbecued meats or or stuff that is highly processed, um, uh, you know, medication, drugs, antibiotics, a whole bunch of things that then cigarettes, uh, stuff that is actually toxic to the body. And so first thing you want to do is try to reduce the amount of those foods, okay, or those substances. Substitute the fruits, the vegetables, the fiber. Really eliminate first and then add re- slowly healthy foods. And there are a lot of different, uh, you know, booklets that will educate people. And, you know, I have a one-week detox program, a 30-day detox. People go to spas to do this. And all they're doing is really being introduced to healthy foods. And so you're substituting a toxic food, you know, with a healthy food. And then if you add a few supplements to them, uh, you know, stuff that can, can uh, you know, improve the, and support the functioning of the liver, like glutathione or glutamine or certain other flavonoids, you, you, you're building a little bit of a detox program. Um, and it's, I, I think that, you know... It, you could do this over a week's period, and all of a sudden, you'll start to feel, lose a pound or two pounds, you'll start to feel a little bit stronger, and you can continue it for, you know, 30 days, and you can continue some variation of it forever, because why would you ever want to put something toxic in your body? So, you know, we outline a little bit of a program about detoxification, and in my practice, in my office, you know, we try to get people a very simple approach that is not too expensive and not too complicated. I want you to tell us the importance, and people think, you know, topically they know this, the importance of hydration and water, just plain water. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I mean, look, I I think that people can exaggerate, you know, the water stuff where they're drinking, you know, a gallon every two hours. You know, all you can do then is you're going to be in the toilet. (laughs) But, you know, I think, look, you know, water and hydration, you know, especially during times of the year, is certainly, uh, you know, valuable. I think that we do lack a little bit of uh, of science in this area. I mean, I don't know anybody who's actually done a controlled trial, you know, of trying to see whether if you had three gallons of water a day, you'd be healthier. I mean, you want to avoid dehydration. You want to make sure that, you know, it's a clue that your urine is a lighter color. It's not uh, It's not particularly dark. Right? You want to make sure that you are going to the bathroom because if you're not going to the bathroom to urinate, then you know that you're dehydrated because the kidneys essentially have the capacity to either, um, uh, you know, be passive in permitting you to excrete excess amounts of, your, of water or retain it. So, you know, you want to monitor that you're at least going to the bathroom a couple of times a day so that you at least know that you need to maintain that level of hydration. I'm not I'm not very, you know, uh I, I don't know if there's a lot of science 
you know, behind how much water you should be drinking. I certainly have no objections to people drinking, as long as, long as they're not complaining that they have to get up five times at night to pee, you know, because, you know, obviously if you drank a gallon of water before you went to bed, that's what's going to happen. So I think water is important. As a, as a fluid, it's a lot better to drink water than to drink the carbonated sodas and, and the sodas that contain, you know, fructose and, you know, that's really unhealthy. So a lot of the sugary drinks are, are a major contributor to obesity in this country. In your detoxification, uh, uh, you mentioned exercise and sleep. Exercise is vitally important for many reasons. Can you explain that? Well, I, I think that, you know, this is part of the kind of this overall wellness plan. And I think that, I, you know, I look at, at what I would consider the pillars of wellness, okay? And the pillars of wellness starts with taking the nutrients for your foods, okay? The second pillar is making certain you get enough sleep because restorative sleep can't be replaced. I mean, you can't. You can't eat more broccoli to, to, to make up for not sleeping, okay? Sleeping is a critical part of our circadian, of our biologic rhythms, and you need it, and if you don't get it, you're, you know, you're going to have problems, okay? Exercise, for some magical reason, you know, is, seems to be a, a, an excellent stress reducer. And two, exercise is important because you need to, you know, build muscle and maintain muscles. And, Muscles are, you know, you can't, you can't build them without stressing the muscles a little bit. So, um, and, and similarly for the heart, I mean, you need, you know, the heart is a muscle and needs to, to remain conditioned. I think that for the most part, people exaggerate the exercise component and they're very inefficient in what, you don't have to be in the gym an hour and a half, okay? If you're in the gym an hour and a half, you're in the gym for reasons other than the fitness aspect. You're doing it because it's a place that you feel comfortable and you socialize and whatever. But for fitness, if you if you exercise effectively, you could do a 30, 40-minute workout, you know, which is, you know, you're lifting some weights, you're jumping rope, you're doing a little bit of stretching. And I think you could be really fit with, with, a, with a, a much shorter, more intense workout. But certainly exercise is, an, is a really important, you know, component both for the muscular and the cardiac point of view, but also as a stress reducer. Your third step is restore. How can we restore our systems? What do we need? What uh, additives yeah. or in a supplement? Right. I, I think the restorative phase is, is once again, always starts out with, with, you know, taking good nutrients to begin with. And then you start, as you get a little older, to add some enzymes, which is something that is so easily done. I mean, you know, rather than going out and getting a medicine to reduce and stop the acid production or some medicine for your, your colon, I mean, it, it's absolutely amazing how effective some of these enzyme products are. And there are a lot of different companies. You know, I like the, I like Nutrametrics and I like Nutrigenics, Metagenics, I mean. And, and I love the over-the-counter, you know, products that are sold by Enzymedica. If you go into almost any CVS or any 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 store whatsoever and, and pick up things like Digest Gold, or and you're going to be amazed. I mean, it's just this is not going to take a month for you to feel better. You'll, you'll feel better the first time you take the product because what you're doing is you're having it's like wearing glasses. All of a sudden now you can read more easily because it's magnified. Well, the enzymes really help 
uh, you know, supplement the, the, the enzymes that you don't have enough of because you're trying to eat foods that require more than you can actually produce. So I, I strongly urge people, you know, who have a little bit of gluten sensitivity or, or seem to be having some problems with carbohydrates to not only reduce the amount of those foods, but if you add, you know, a little bit of the, the digestive enzymes, and the one, I'm, uh, it's, the one I carry with me is Digest Gold, I mean, you're going to be amazed. So the enzymes, I think, are part of the restorative plan as you get a little older. And then the other components are the probiotics. I mean, we have these bacteria, these friendly bacteria that are living in our colon. And these bacteria are really, really important both in the digestive process but also in the immune process they've been showing. They're sending signals to your brain, okay, and they are affecting your mood, they're affecting your weight, and they're playing a vital role in in warding off other bacteria, other viruses, you know, that are potentially harmful. And we are really almost it's almost like what we're doing in, in the in the, in the in the rainforest. We're cutting down all the trees. We're destroying this amazing ecosystem with our lifestyle. Poor foods, toxic foods. And, and antibiotics. I mean, you, know, you go to the doctor for a cold and he gives you an antibiotic. You're destroying those healthy bacteria. So probiotics are critically important to gut health. Probiotics, digestive enzymes, a little bit of, you know, good natural organic foods, and you're well on your way towards a much healthier gut. When you were talking, I was thinking about uh, how you say the immunity and the gut are related. We have a lot of autoimmune diseases. You mentioned ADD and ADHD and whatnot. What are some of the findings that we're finding with the gut and these uh, immunity issues well, are? You know, I, I think that, you know, it's really interesting in medicine, and that I find the most interesting is when we start connecting dots. You know, you know we can't look at organ systems in isolation. And so you can't think that, that the gut is only involved with digestion, okay, which is what it is primarily involved in. All of a sudden, they're starting to find that a significant component of the gut are a lot of the immune cells, and the immune cells are involved with, with inflammation and with, quote, immunity. And when the gut is inflamed because of the toxic exposure to foods and, and toxins and antibiotics, the gut starts to get excited and these immune cells get activated. And with the activation, it, it goes to other parts of the body. And, you know, we're starting to think that other conditions like ADD or ADHD, which, by the way, I wrote a commentary on in the Daily Today, you know, is, is, you know, we're looking for the basis for this condition beyond the, the potential genetic predisposition. We're trying to understand why is the executive function of the brain not paying attention in certain people? And we may discover that the problem is not in the brain itself, but outside the brain and potentially in the gut. And that's true for ADD, that may be true for autism, that may be true for uh, rheumatic disorders, arthritic disorders, that you know you think should be you know housed in the joints, but in reality, the source may actually be in the gut. 
Mm. Yeah, I want to throw it out at a, at a scenario. You go, and I, I love Italian food. You go to a wonderful restaurant. You have your, uh, whether it be your pasta or your meats or whatever, you're enjoying everything with your friends, and guess what? Within an hour or so, you feel really tired and sleepy. Good sign or bad sign? Uh, well, it may be a good time that you had a good time, or maybe it's already late, but I think for the most part, you know, if you, if a person's eating well, for the most part, and then they go out to a restaurant, and they kind of, you know, give in and have the delicious, you know, food, the very tasty food, it does have an impact on brain function, because, you know, you're releasing all kinds of neurochemicals, and neuro, uh, you know, periodically you want to do it, you know, be my guest, I mean, I would certainly take some enzymes if I were eating in some of these restaurants. You know, you take some digest gold and you're, you will be golden, but you'll be a little, a lot less tired. You can't do it day in and day out, but you want to do it, you know, occasionally, be my guest. Not unreasonable. You know, it's really not unreasonable. You want to, you know, we, we have all of these great foods available. As long as it's not a, 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 you know, everyday occurrence, you're probably okay. You mentioned in the book um, the diet to eat is mainly vegetable-based with some, you know, meat proteins, um, but more vegetables. Uh, and you're saying that our, our bodies haven't really adapted to a lot of the fast foods in the middle section of our grocery aisle. <laughs> we, we, we tend to gravitate there and pick up something really quick. Can you explain that? How Our bodies are meant to eat how? Well, once again, I mean, you know, we, we have an evolutionary, you know, we, we have evolved over thousands and millions of years. And, and, you know, you know, the fact that all of a sudden we have foods that can, that have a shelf life of six months, you know, our bodies are not yet adjusted from an evolutionary point of view to those foods. So, uh, we can't possibly digest them, break them down. And so in the process, we deliver these undigested products into the colon where now the bacteria are starting to have a good time trying to break them down and you produce gaseousness and bloating and constipation and sometimes some of these chemicals are injuring the cells to the point that it, they're actually carcinogenic, you know, that they're actually inducing, you know, over many, many years cancers in the colon. Um, you know, it takes time for evolution to catch up and when when you, when you when you have something that um, that doesn't kill you right away or kills you over many many years, the evolutionary pressures to eliminate them are, are diminished tremendously. In other words, you know evolution really works to try to keep you alive until you're about forty or thirty-five. And you know once you once you've had kids, there's very little evolutionary pressure to eliminate a certain lifestyle, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all of a sudden what we're now doing is we're suffering as a result of all of these, uh, uh, you know, the kind of maladaptive lifestyles, and that's why starting at age 40 or 45, we're starting to see diabetes and obesity and heart disease and and arthritis and everything else and, and Alzheimer's, and we're kind of stuck. You know, we're not being, we're not dying from it, but we, we are living lives of quiet desperation, and we're ill. And and, and, and the price is going to be that the health care costs, you know, in this country are going to exceed the gross national product. And so we're going to go broke trying to treat all of these chronic degenerative disorders. And it may be simple as 
get people to put half of their plate, fruits and vegetables, start to eat chicken and fish, and, you know, get away from the red meats, get away from the saturated fats, get away from the simple sugars, and our, our debt is going to dramatically drop. We don't, we don't need to, it's just, just gaining some control over our healthcare course and disease will have a tremendous stimulating effect on our economy. One last question on diet. Uh, you're mentioning the meats, the fish, and whatnot. But when you fry these foods at high levels, it produces, what's that long word? <laughs> I, uh, I mean, <laughs> well, you, you're actually, you know, creating toxins, you know, uh, amines that are, are, are actually injurious to your, to your gut and, and actually, you know, carcinogenic. Mm-hmm. It produces, um, you know, a very toxic environment. And people, this time of year, they're going to get out and barbecue and do a lot of uh, meats that are fried. And, yeah, I mean, look, once again, the body will forgive you if you do it once in a while. You mm-hmm. do it every day, and you're putting yourself at risk. I mean, there's a big article on just the, the likelihood of, of earlier premature deaths from just red meats. Well, wow, that's scary. I mean, yeah, I mean, this was just last week or two weeks ago. I mean, look, the bottom line is, you know, if you respect your gut, you're going to have a much better chance of, 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 of becoming well, okay? And because the gut participates in so many important processes from digestion to immunity, you know, and, and also this gut-brain connection is so amazing uh, with reference to mood issues and mood disorders. And so, you know, if you want to start getting healthy and getting and becoming well, you know, it's not about, you know, how much how much vitamin D should you take or should I just go and get some omega threes or should I eat more broth? Start with your gut. You know, maybe read the book. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. I think everybody can can really understand what this wellness program is all about. And then start from wellness. Start from your gut. Then go to sleep. You know, start sleeping well. Then think in terms about stress management. And then add a little bit of exercise. And, you know, then you won't have to worry about, you know, having 45 different supplements. You know, a little bit of probiotics, some digestive enzymes. Okay, maybe a little bit of omega-3s. Okay, maybe some vitamin D. But it doesn't have to be that complicated. You know, whether you take CoQ10 or you don't take CoQ10, it's not going to make the difference, okay? It's going to make the difference is what you put into your mouth three times a day and what nutrients you take in. The book is No Guts, No Glory, Gut Solution, The Core of Your Total Wellness. Thank you so much for this information. Thank you. Now, Thank you so much. You, Thank you. What's your website? Um, I, if people go to drstephenlamb.com, I think you're going to find it very, very interesting, and you're going to see you know, new stuff about the gut, and you're going to see some of the videos that I've produced or... or, or, or I think that you might find it very, very valuable. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Lamb. My pleasure. Thank you for interviewing me.